Hello and welcome to the Divine Renovation Podcast, where we seek to inspire and equip you to bring your parish from maintenance to mission. I'm in studio today with a couple of my Divine Renovation friends. It is good to see you, Ron Huntley. Good to be here, Daniel. And Father James Mellon. It's always fun when you're in studio with us. Great to be here. Excellent. So look, guys, I have um, I've, I've spent time in parishes. And I've been asked many times to, to, to step into to roles and to, to, to lead different things. And I always say yes. Uh, and, and you know what? I know there's lots of leaders listening, whether you're a pastor, a parish priest, whether you're in, in lay leadership of, of some sort. And, and I have a feeling that a lot of you might struggle with a different word that sounds a whole lot different than yes. And it sounds a lot more like O, but starts with the letter N. Ron, what's the word? No. Yeah. No. Uh, one of the things that parishes often struggle with is, is saying no to things because there's so many good things on the table. So, so why, as leaders, do we need to be comfortable in saying no in the church? Well, I think that boils down to what's your vision for your church? What's, what's the mission of your church? If you don't understand what your vision is, then you're probably going to have a difficult time saying no because the mm-hmm. things you say yes to should probably be aligned with your vision because when they're not, then we just get distracted and really busy. And sometimes we can be so busy that that's how we measure our success, but we're not always being fruitful. Mm-hmm. And so if we make being fruitful our goal, which requires you need to know where you're going in order to measure, not whether you're successful, uh, it really does start with vision. So, Ron, when you were on uh, the senior leadership team, uh, were there things that used to come in front of you that you guys had to make that kind of decision? Because part of the challenge is people want to do things, right? And you want people to do things, don't you? Absolutely. It's tricky. It's really hard because good people come up with good ideas with good intent all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to say no to that because you don't want to discourage them or you don't want to crush their passion or their zeal or their inspiration or their motivation. And yet you also don't want to be running in every possible direction as a church because then you're not focused. Mm. And so there's a tension between inspiring people and staying focused, isn't there? Yeah, I, I think there's there's two distinct movements in, in, in mobilizing a parish. The thing is that um, if you're parishes drifting in a direction of decline or there's a certain um, inertia that you have to overcome and sometimes it takes blunt force to get to get the thing going like in in many ways um, that was what I knew in in leading a parish over the years is because most parishes that I went into were not really moving in in the right direction and and you need to do a lot of stuff to to get the thing out of the rut and so starting things up, just doing something, getting movement uh, so you can get the blood flowing is actually a good thing. Mm. So that that can actually, you know, begin to dislodge the thing. Okay. So, and and in some ways, in some parishes, that initial phase can take even a couple of years to begin to get a sufficient number of people bought into doing. And that's certainly what we did Mm. at St. Benedict Parish. It was a strategy that I knew from from other places. The problem was, Outside of that, I didn't know what to do, but I knew how to do that. And we got the thing moving. And and it and it and the and then we can but the thing was the problem. I continue to cling to that strategy, which basically was rooted in the principle, the more the merrier. <laughs> and things started moving and getting busier and busier and busier and busier and busier. And we started getting more stretched and more stretched. And it got to the point of of total dysfunction. It was there was all kinds of all kinds of incredible fruit that was coming yes. forth, but I was unhealthy. The team was unhealthy. Ministry leaders were stretched. It mm. just was absolutely unsustainable. Mm. But we did get the thing moving Didn't through we? God's grace. 
But at that point, there's a point where you've got to change gears or you'll die. Mm -hmm. And that was when we came into what I would call a phase two. Mm -hmm. And the primary thing of phase two was learning how to say no, because it required us to do to fewer things well than doing many things in a mediocre way. Because the things that really make the difference, you've got to be intentional about. The, none of them happen by themselves. Mm. You've got to really be intentional. And in order to focus on those things means you've got to say no to even other good things. And that's hard. And what's interesting about that, for those of you that are listening, Father James, you, you're apostolic by nature, apostolic and evangelistic, and you're really good at starting things and inspiring people and getting things going. Like you, half the times you say stuff, I just get so, I can't wait to jump up and go and do it. And, and that's really cool. And then I've, in coaching, you know what I see? Cause that's actually, I really enjoy that. So I love working with Father James and Dan, because you guys are both apostolic. And so we love to run and do things and learn and make a difference. But in coaching, there's a whole other category of leaders who are very strategic, who actually won't do anything until they know exactly what the steps are, how they do it, when they're defined, when it's going to be coming, who's going to be doing it. And they're incredibly strategic. And, and that has value too. It's a different way of doing mm. things. And I think our way was more fun, but <laughs> no, <I'm just> kidding. <laughs> but no, it really was. Uh, but there, there are, there are many ways, there are several ways you can come at it. But I think for those of you that may be more inclined to thinking strategically, eventually you got to move. And sometimes overthinking things can can cause a delay. Sure. And so there has to be a bouncer. But eventually, for heaven's sake, you just the other start problem sometimes doing I, stuff. I experience it myself is that my inclinations unchecked can be very destructive. You know, and, and it, it was leading, it was, we were taken off like a rocket, but we were going to burn out like a rocket too. <laughs> That's true. And nothing would have happened. So I had to really learn how to. You know, to you know, to tailor this in and repent of this idea that the more the more was merrier because it's it, it stopped being merry mm, that's uh, true. and and began to be really be a burden and to the point you're thinking I don't know how much longer we can keep this going. So it was a matter of uh, you know focusing on process and also focusing down on on um, on the things that really made the difference. And it became difficult because part of our mobilization phase had meant that people were having conversion and coming alive. Yes. And, and as you said, Ron, great people with great ideas and even people who had maybe joined our parish from other parishes who, because their experience of a parish church was so few parishioners are actually involved in anything that every good idea that they ever come up with in the life of a parish was always embraced with enthusiasm yes. because they were the only people who were, <laughs> there, there were so, many, so few people actually bought in. And they, they came into a parish culture where we weren't jumping at every great idea. Mm. And some people who, were, who joined our parish found that very, very difficult. In fact, they, they really struggled with it mm. um, because we were really focused on uh, investing in our game plan because we, through our experience, we had discovered, okay, what actually made the difference? Let's invest in that in order to, to remain healthy and to put the proper investment of time and energy in the, the things that really make the difference. We had to be good at saying no. Amen. Sorry, I was going to say, uh, I was thinking about this this last night and I was praying into it a little bit. And, and so I wanted to, to read just a small section from Nehemiah because this, just to put it in the context, this is the rebuilding of, of the temple is happening in Jerusalem and and. and there are people trying to distract or, or get Nehemiah's attention. And so what does he say? He says, I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. So he's been asked to come down. He's, he's like, no, I am engaged in a great work, so I can't 
come? Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? Four times they sent the same message. Four times he's saying, no, 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 I, I'm, I'm busy on the great work. The great work is rebuilding the temple. And it goes exactly to what you were saying earlier, Ron, which is, do you have a vision? Do you know what you're about? Like, yes. what is it you're trying to do? And, you know, it's that notion, if we embrace mission, it makes it so much easier to be clear about what are the things that we're going to do because we begin to name what are the things that are, are critical and important to us. At St. Benedict Parish, it would have been the game plan. Yeah. And so that that clarified the things that we're, we're going to, to work on and, and let go of the things that we're not. And I, I love that that story of Nehemiah because it just makes so very clear. He's, he's got such clarity of purpose that, that he's able to focus and, and, and push away. The, well, the in Mark's Gospel, too, at the beginning of his public ministry, you know, Jesus, after he heals Peter's mother-in-law, goes up to the, the hills to pray, and Peter comes the next morning and says, Lord, what are you doing here? Everyone's looking for you. You know, there are people who have needs who want you to do things, and the Lord is like, nope, I've got to go on to the next time because that's my purpose. That's my mission. Mm-hmm. So he, to the very nature, if you're mission-focused, it inevitably means that you will have to be practiced in the art of saying no. Yeah. Not just to bad ideas, not just to bad things, but to good things. Yeah. And we will face opposition because I think when, when we get clear on what we're trying to achieve, we're going to have opposition. We're going to have opposition from people who, who don't want the change, who don't want the transformation, who don't want us to go on that thing. And then we also, frankly, this is a, a spiritual thing at the end of the day. The things that we are about and a parish that is on mission is ultimately a spiritual and a spiritual endeavor. And so there is going to be opposition mm. that is spiritual. And if I, if I could draw us back to what happened to Nehemiah, because I think it's, it's even more on point, because Nehemiah said no uh, four times. Uh, and, and he was saying no to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the, and Geshem the Arab. Oh, those guys. Those guys, <laughs> right? We all know those guys. That Shambhalaya guy. Is it, did he, does he sh- shrimp? Does he bug you too? <laughs> like shrimp? But here's the thing. They wanted to kill Nehemiah. Now he 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 was actually that that he's saying no, and but the whole their whole goal was they want to kill him because they don't want him to do what he's doing. This is the opposition to the rebuilding oh, of I the see, temple, see, yeah. and so they were they were trying to pull down what he was trying to achieve, and it was his focus that allowed him to stay to to continue the good work that God had placed on his heart. Mm. A lot of no's that people get. A lot of priests that. I coach in to really struggle with no's because they've spent their whole priesthood saying yes and making yes. time for anybody who asks no matter what. And so their capacity to pr- prioritize and, and, and invest in areas where they're going to get the biggest, have the biggest impact, it doesn't, literally doesn't even exist. And then to break out of that is so hard for them because you've created that culture in your church. It's one thing if you're new or you're going into a new church, you can establish new patterns. But if you're transforming a church you're already in, you need Mm. to transform as a leader too, because your church isn't going to be able to say no intentionally if you don't learn how to say no intentionally. I think it's why it's so important for the pastor to have these kind of conversations with his key leaders, with his parish staff, with his ministry leaders, you know, through something like a leadership summit, because you want them to get the why. These are very influential people. And even bring it into a homily. Especially if yes. you're in a parish where you've been doing things in a particular way and you and 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 you desire to change in a different direction, you've got to come before your people and 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 preach it. You've got to preach about, you know, formally this is this is what we've been doing, this is how I've been doing, and here's the reason why I think we have to start doing it in a different way. Give mm-hmm. the why, try to convict people of the why. And recognizing that the whole system in which priests were formed, it's this kind of thing. There's there is no ultimate vision other than respond to the needs of the flock that that's that's what's 
given to us is, a, is as the purpose, as the mission. Mm-hmm. And what is the, the virtuous priest is the one who's seen to be available 24-7 to everyone and anyone uh, with, without discrimination. And that's, if we were in a world of 50 years ago, that would, might be okay. But, but today we've got to, if we don't mobilize and move, we're, we're going to be in big trouble. So yeah, this requires uh, a lot of, pastors are going to need a lot of help to do this. Father James, when you, you, you shared earlier that, you know, part of, part of what happened at, at St. Benedict Parish in its early days was you, you know, you just try to get things going. Right. And so then, but then there was a moment of discernment where you're like, okay, there's a lot going. So, so what, what are some of the, for the people who are listening, what are some of the indicators for when they're making that transition, when they should be saying, start saying no versus just trying to get things going? It's a great question. Well, I think we need to remember that, that health, you know, the goal of parish renewal is healthy parishes because healthy things grow and bear fruit. And the health of a parish is predicated upon the health of the leadership in many ways. And if you're not living in a healthy way, emotionally, physically, spiritually, you can't lead your parish to a place of health. So what happens with the more the merrier approach and, and just being busy, busy, busy and adding new things and not removing any of the other things <clears throat> and trying to live in both worlds of leading and mobilize your parish, but unwilling to let go of the priest as everyone's personal chaplain is that you're going to reach a point where you're going to realize you're going to die. Yeah. And that really was what it was for me. I became sick. I got so worn down. And I, I, I mean, you, the team had to kind of like pry my hands off things and, and, um, and drive home to me too that because my inclination as a starter upper guy I'd, I'd have this line that would usually get me into trouble with the team when we formed a team was well it won't be that much work and the people who knew how much work things were would smash me over the head they would get so upset with me because i was i'm generally blind to to the cost of saying yes to good ideas and so it was a retraining for me but the question is how do you know well so there's a sense of the, you know, coming together with the leaders of your parish and asking, where are we organizationally? Are we healthy? Are we in a healthy place? Mm. Are we healthy in a personal level? If you're not, if you're strung out uh, and spread out so, so, so much, then that's one primary indicator for sure. Mm. And sometimes one of the things I see in coaching is people will take St. Benedict as the model. They've come to a conference, they've read the books, they love it, they're bought in, which I love to see that. The hearts are on fire again, filled with hope, and they try to go too far too fast. And they don't have the same amount of resources or Mm. staff or volunteers in place or leadership culture in place. It took us years to get to the place that people see now. Mm. And so sometimes they try to get there in a year or two and and they get discouraged and disheartened and frustrated and they think they're doing something wrong. It's like, no, you're not. I was talking to a group of of people pastors recently and we were, we were talking about our fears and the guys were like well you know one of my you know fears a common fear was well what if this doesn't work what if this doesn't bear the fruit you know we've been in this for eight months now and we're not really seeing um the fruit and i'm thinking guys it's eight months like well you like don't you realize you don't you don't plant seeds in a field and say well it's been four hours i don't i'm not seeing the fruit you gotta let the trees got to grow and and and, and bear fruit it takes time and, and that's the danger of looking at a parish that's too far advanced is you 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 compress the time uh, that you that you think it's going to take to get there and it just you're almost putting yourself in undue 
pressure. Mm. So Ron, we have a lot of uh, leaders that listen to to this podcast, but we also have a lot of parishioners, uh, people who yeah. are part of parishes that are embracing divine renovation as they want to learn more about DR. Yeah. They often listen into this podcast. Now, some of these parishioners, I am sure, have good ideas. And I don't want them to become like Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab <laughs> and want to kill their father, whoever. Uh, so, so for those, because a lot of those those leaders, those those people who are listening, they're, they're going to their priest with great ideas and they might be encountering a no. Mm. What would you say to those people who are, who are still trying to proffer up great ideas to their, their, their parish priest, their pastor, but are getting no's? Yeah. I would say that's a really fun question. It's a good question because it's a, it's a source of frustration and disappointment for so many parishioners of goodwill, good intent, and faithfulness. And I would say before you ask anything, or you know, before you take anything to your priest and ask them to do it, leave that stuff at home and go to them and ask them, what's your passion? Yes. Ask them their faith story. Ask them why Jesus, when Jesus became a priority in their life, when was the time that they were closest to Jesus? Uh, ask them what their hope is for the church. Ask them what their hope is for the priesthood. Ask them what their dream is if we were wildly successful in the next five years and then see if anything you had in mind would align with that so that you can work together right. mm-hmm. versus not even, because so many people don't even ask. The same thing happens with bishops, with their priests. Their priests come and say what they want or what they should do, but they never ask them, what's your passion? What's your heart? Tell me your faith story. Let's get to know, let's pull back a little bit. Let's get to know each other, build that relationship and understand each other. And from there, let's see if we can't find some common ground, some things that we can get excited about that would work in communion with one another to bring about a vision. Hmm. I think of uh, in my last parish, I remember one time at the end of mass, so my parish before St. Benedict Parish, and I was standing in the foyer, and this man came up to me and said, Father, I've got, I've, I've got an idea, I think, that, that should, something that should be happening in our church. And he, he told me it in about 30 seconds. I said, you know, that's, that's a fantastic idea. I said, so how can I, how can I help you to, to, you know, to, to, get, to actually do that and lead it? And he almost jumped like a foot back. He, the look of shock on his face, and he, lit, this, he literally turned around and ran out the door. <laughs> Because he awesome. came to me, Father, I've got this great idea that I want you to do. Mm. And my approach to him was, great, how can we help you do it? Mm-hmm. And it, the look, of, I'll never forget the look of shock, shock in his fa- on his face. <laughs> uh, fast forward a couple of years ago at St. Benedict Parish when I found out about, uh, about Mark and the, the street ministry that, that he had founded. And this had been going on for a number of months, uh, wow. Mark, Mark Saldana, and there was, he was yes. mobilizing people. And he was in touch with, with with members of the parish staff, but I didn't know he was doing this. I only found out after the fact once it was like a, a quite a thing and beginning to spread and grow. And I contrast those those two things. Right. Here's a young man who was uh, evangelized and mobilized. There was a, a, an accountability connection in with the parish, so people, the parish leadership knew about it. I didn't know know about it, but he didn't need my permission. He didn't need, he didn't necessarily make a demand of my resources. Mm. per se. And, and I think those are two very, very different things from what a person saying, here's an idea that I want you to do, or I want the office to do, uh, or here's, you know, here's something that I've been doing and I'm, I'm being supported by the parish, but it's really, uh, there's not a lot of energy 
that's being asked of the parish. You, no. roll, you roll back the clock a couple of years and uh, divine renovation there, you know, we didn't, we never got a lot of criticism uh, about the divine renovation model, but we did get criticized on, on one item that, you know, perturbed us. And I think Father James, you just hit on it a bit, which is, you know, there's nothing written in your book, Father James, about how you're going to go reach the poor and, and, and like, you know, you've lost the theme. Isn't that what the church is supposed to do? What it's would you so, Social that? justice. Well, the, that's the thing that is, is kind of flipping around instead of saying, here are three ministries that we as a parish support and let's go try to beat the bushes to get people to run these things uh, or to be involved in them. Rather, let's help, let's re- let's evangelize people and help them to take ownership of the mission and then to discern what are your particular giftings, passions, and what's your call? What is the Lord calling you to get, to get involved in and how can we help with that? Those are two very different things. And people, there will always be a segment of your parish that are going to feel called to reach out to the poor and to minister to the poor, to work for justice, you know, and and so let's help uncover, help people to uncover their own passion and calling, rather than somehow creating these categories and trying to fit people into them. That would be my sense. Yeah, and that's what we've seen over and over again. Even when we started Connect Groups, which are a follow-up to Alpha, home groups of 20 to 30 people that meet every two weeks, when we started those, I remember a, a, a couple that was invited into the leadership they said well where do you want people to be in six months and i said what do you mean well what do you want them to be able to do what do you want them? so no, no we're just creating a space where people can grow in their faith grow in 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 all the gifts including the the gifts of the holy spirit so they can hear the voice of god and obey like the goal isn't to have them hear our voice or your voice the goal is to have them hear the voice of god and then obey and so come alongside and say what's god saying to you and then let's help you do the things that god's calling you to do so often at saint benedict parish we find out these amazing works of mercy and and, and charity that are happening and we don't know we didn't know anything about it They're not, wasn't wasn't organized through it the wasn't office. organized through the office it's organized by god himself inspiring these people who are growing in prayerfulness and holiness in in community with others taking on these projects and going to do these unbelievable things because they don't need to be organized by staff to be able to do those things there's some things you do sure but but a lot of things you don't like to live the christian life with power and authority and miracles and everything else my heavens, that sacraments are designed, they're meant to feed mm-hmm. us so that we, for the work of God. And that's what we see as we bring more and more people into a real personal encounter and relationship with God and Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the whole Trinity in its fullness. It's, it's incredible mm-hmm. what happens. So look, guys, I am going to have to call it there. We are at time and I know you guys would keep would love to keep going, but the answer is no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Thank you for being with us this week, and we look forward to being with you again next week. God bless. Thanks so much for listening. By joining the Divine Renovation Network, you'll be connected with priests and parishes across the whole world. You'll gain access to our ever-growing library of video resources, as well as exclusive access to live discussions, courses, and conference opportunities. Visit divinerenovation.tv for more details. Next week on the podcast. Parishioners will talk about giving to the church mm. as if the church is not them. Because of clericalism, who owns the mission? Who is the responsibility of the mission? Well, the priests, not the laity. And it's hard to buy into something when you're not bought into it. You're not mm. an owner. You're not an owner. 